0: It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast, episode number 42. I'm Kyle Faulkner, joined as always by Jeff Faulkner. And, uh, Jeff, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm pretty good, man. It's the big day. It's the reveal of the NFL schedule and all kinds of juicy matchups we're going to talk about, all kinds of great news in the NFL, and, uh... Yeah, man, you know, we're trying to do more social media wise. We we're just talking about that and, and it grow the brand here. So, uh, you know, before we actually jump into the, the the meat and potatoes of the podcast, we want to make sure that uh, the listeners, if you don't mind, if you could, you know, like sh- and share the podcast, write a review if you want to, uh, we're on Apple and anywhere else you can find uh, podcasts and um, join us on Instagram and Twitter at Falcon Maniacs. We'd love to, you know, start some conversations or, you know, continue some conversations if we've already started one. So uh, our social media is, is growing slowly and it's been a lot of fun so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A couple old guys, you know, figuring out how to use the the <laughs> <That's> Facegram <it. laughs> and the insta snap and all those good things.
1: That's it, man. And, uh, you know, this is episode number 42 here. So we're going to do the jersey swap like we we always talk about. But uh, obviously with the number 42, it's kind of this one almost has two categories, right? There's like there's Jackie Robinson and then there's everybody else. So, mm-hmm. um we, obviously, Jackie Robinson is in a league of his own, but there are some kind of fun names on this list, so we kind of talked about just having Jackie, but then I read the rest of the names, so um, we thought we'd do it. Mariano Rivera, one of the all-time, you know, the greatest closer of all time. Uh, James Worthy, a Lakers great. And then we got some movie jerseys, which you and I both love. We got uh, Gary Bertier from Remember the Titans. I'm not sure if you are familiar with him.
0: Oh, yeah, Bertier, we got buddy. Rick, oh. Left side, <laughs> Berthier, side.
1: sorry. That's it. Left side, strong side. Uh, Ricky Baker from Boys in the Hood. And Scott Howard from Teen Wolf.
0: The Teen Wolf. So if you could get any number 42, which one would you rock? Oh, man. I See, Bertier, he was a good character. But I think, didn't I already go with, uh, I already went with Petey last week, I think. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really torn. I think the Teen Wolf, I think the Teen Wolf would get more love. You know, Ricky, things didn't end up so well for him. Uh, that's more of a maybe. Put it in a shadow box on your wall with a bouquet of dried flowers and a picture. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Scott Howard for sure. What about you? The the Teen Wolf.
1: Eh? Well, you know what the, the part of the Ricky Baker one I don't like is the jerseys. When you you buy them, it says Ricky on the back. It says his first name. So because nobody know what <laughs> the Baker reference would be. So that's fair. Uh, that one's out automatically. Um, Yeah, I think i go with Teen Wolf as well. It's a sweet spot. It's a sweet, sweet jersey. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, the real
0: real athletes, Rivera and James Worthy, those are two, like, all-time, all-time greats. Um, But like you said, Jackie Robinson, like, it's you can't have him as part of the equation. When a player has a movie about them named 42, that's who's number 42. The end. That's it. That's it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, we're going to talk about quite a bit here, but the fantasy news this week is bananas, so let's get into it. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: It's time for fantasy football news.
1: Dude, Aaron Rodgers' situation is more and more confusing by the day, isn't it? I mean... So we talked about it last week. Rumors came out this week that the Packers have kind of gone out of their way to put this super lucrative long-term offer together to make Rodgers happy and make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league and keep <laughs> him in Green Bay. And then yesterday, Ian Rappaport reports that Rodgers has been recruiting other players to join him in the event that he ends up going somewhere else. And then today, the Packers sign Blake Bortles? Uh-oh. I don't know what's happening here, Manny. Well, I mean, the Bortles
0: thing is just baffling, I guess – I don't know. What do you make of all this? Well, you know, it's funny. I read, I read a couple of days ago online that uh, Days of Our Lives had been extended for two more seasons, but I didn't realize they were they were moving it to Wisconsin. Um, yeah, the Bortles signing that was uh, that was a puzzler. I guess you know it never hurts to have an extra set of hands on deck, and uh, you know another another first round draft pick at quarterback. That's uh, that's three on the Packers roster, so that's got to feel well. I wouldn't say good, but You know, they can say that at least. But yeah, this is unbelievable. And then, um, you know, to top it off this week, Devontae Adams, he was talking to Colin Coward and uh, he said, you know, I support Aaron Rodgers 100%. And he said for himself, his future in Green Bay might be tied to what Rodgers decides to do. He didn't say it outright that, you know, if he's gone, I'm gone. But uh, Adams is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season Obviously, coming off of, you know, one of the all-time great NFL seasons, number one in the league. And, uh, you know, he he basically said, if he goes, I'm definitely going to have to think and rethink and rethink a little bit. And speaking of rethinking, there is one guy who, you know, he's been a little quiet through all this. He probably had a big grin on his face eight weeks ago when he signed his big extension. But Aaron Jones, oh my goodness. He signed that piece of paper and just thought, I'm keeping the green and gold. I'm going to be lined up behind the MVP. I got the best wide receiver in the league on my flank. Oh, we are set. And now he's thinking, oh, my Lord, I'm going to be in the, the slightly colder New York Jets pretty soon. I don't know, man. Oh, man. This is rough. And then they're talking about Jordan Love and how much they, you know, the GM, he says, I love, love but he's got a lot of work to do. And that's not really what you want to hear about a guy who you traded up for in the first round last year and didn't play a snap. And now you're at risk of losing your franchise quarterback and the guy who caused all of this by you drafting him has a lot of work to do. Like, this is not great. So do you read into
1: the Bortles signing that it says Jordan Love still has a long way to go? or like it's so weird isn't it it's you know forget about the border sign i want to ask you this who loves this news more brett Favre or deshaun watson
0: well i'm gonna say deshaun watson i'm gonna i i think for Favre, like he's kind of been sympathetic to rogers obviously he went through a, a very similar situation although not quite as not quite as shocking but uh, pretty similar situation um, and, you know, Favre is always happy to have his, his name out there. And when he has something to say and people want to listen, that puts a smile on his face. But uh, Deshaun Watson, like that's all we could. That's how we let off every news episode for how many weeks, starting every with, week. is he going to yep. be there? Is he going to be traded? And then all of a sudden it turned into something totally different. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, things have really quieted down on that front um, because of all this that's happening in Green Bay. So, yeah, I I think between those two, Watson is he's kind of rubbing his hands together and saying, all right, just keep this up till keep this up till summertime, buddy
1: it's crazy we'll see what happens in both cases but i don't see how rogers goes back i mean i've i've heard people i've even some experts today I read said there's no way the packers are going to trade him and they're going to force him to sit out if that's what he's going to do so uh, yeah stay tuned uh, another quarterback situation uh, in in the nfc Dak prescott says he is healthy enough to play in a game today so uh, obviously he had that terrible ankle injury last year it's uh, good to see him back and then obviously dallas's offense and entire
0: you know team's hopes rest on number four and his health so uh, that's a good start for their offseason. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna have a steep curve to climb right away at the start of the year. And, and they're a team that's gunning for success right now. So he's he's got to be there or else it's not happening. Um, I made sure that I was going to read this piece of news. I know you don't think too much of it. Yeah, but, I noticed uh, this. Yeah. Our, <laughs> uh, so a little background for the listeners at home. We've had some pretty, ex- I'd say, extended trade talks. Um, centering around you know one of the wide receivers on my team going to Jeff's team um, in return for Miles Sanders, and leading up to the NFL draft, it was it was feeling pretty good that that would be a thing to do, but then all of a sudden Miami didn't take any highly touted running backs, and I've got Miles Gaskin, and you know the Eagles now they just claimed carry on Johnson. We talked about him last week being put on waivers by Detroit. So now they've got Carryon Johnson, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, <laughs> and their draft pick, Kenneth Gainwell. And, you know, I'm not trying to say this is going to be some kind of like San Francisco 49ers situation where every every series it could be a guy taking over for the rest of the game. But you can't feel great about having, you know, five guys that are going to touch the ball at some point, right? It definitely cuts no into Sanders a little. First,
1: there's no way Jordan Howard and On are both on the roster when the season starts. And I'm not worried about On at all. I mean, if he couldn't cut it in Detroit, like, you couldn't beat out Adrian Peterson last year for touches. So I'm not worried about On Johnson at all. Yeah, it's another mouth to feed, whatever. I, I think they're all dependent on Miles Sanders getting hurt. And yeah, I'm, I'm the, you know... He's on my roster, so I'm going to pump his tires. <laughs> but if, if it means I have to hold on to him two or three weeks into the season before I trade him, that's fine too. I still believe in the talent, so I'm not really worried about anybody else. I think we're going to see a lot of teams – I keep saying this – a lot of teams are going to have depth at running back because of this new, longer schedule and, and seeing how guys break down before the, you know, the real season in the playoff starts. So uh, I'm not too worried about a Miles Sanders at all.
0: Well, and that's a good I'm point. I'm more worried about Jalen Hurts' performance. Well, that's fair, too. Um, That's a good point, though. With the extra game, um, and, you know, you're going to talk about in a little bit the long stretch that some of these teams have, I wonder what that does to how they manage their backfield. Like, are you going to see a guy who gets 90% or 85% of the touches for all of those weeks? I know it's only one extra game, but that can be a lot. And plus, we saw last year, um, you know, they reorganized the bye week so that only half as many teams had a bye um like that could make a big change for fantasy that could make it like you know go from where some people say yeah draft your handcuff or keep your handcuff on the bench and some people say don't bother it might become imperative if you've got a guy who every three or four weeks isn't getting the touches uh it's going to be hard to replace that so yeah it's going to be interesting with this new schedule over the next uh, couple of years to see how things shake out
1: yeah it is for sure.
0: Um Justin Fields, Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy
1: has just said that uh, the plan for Justin Fields is the same plan that was implemented for Patrick Mahomes when he came into the league. So he was going to have him sit behind the veteran for a year, learn everything he can. But this is not what Bears fans want to hear. I don't think – we have talked about it last week. I don't think Nagy has the leash to be this patient, and I think the talent's just going to outplay and kind of force his hand. So, uh, you know, it's nice to say that in May, but uh, when September rolls around and there's actual pressure, I, I think it's going to be a different tune.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like they made the big move; they moved up. He's the bright future. You know, nobody in Chicago is looking to Andy Dalton. Um, I don't know how long this is going to last. We'll see how things start off for the Red Rifle. Um, you mentioned it a minute ago, though. The Eagles are counting on Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, they didn't draft a quarterback. They did. They went out of the top ten and then they went back into the top ten to get him uh, to get him a wide receiver weapon. Um, so they're all in on him this year, but they are in position next year to draft his replacement. They've got their own first round pick and they've got Miami's first round pick. So, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to be a guy who's coming into his first full season and knows that if it doesn't look good pretty quick, they're going to be making plans, uh, making plans to get you out of there probably sooner than later. Yeah, that's it, right? Well, welcome to the NFL kid. This is, you know, put up or... (laughs)
1: Look for yeah. it elsewhere. Um, <laughs> and Miami, Miami's obviously going to have an early pick because they have no run game, right? We have, we have <laughs> yeah, over, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so the, the the legend of Stephon Diggs in Buffalo, I don't know if it could have got any greater than it, you know, the story we saw last year with him and Josh Allen and how he turned the franchise around. But now there's news today that he played through the playoffs with a torn oblique. Dude put up 100-yard games in both playoff games and played with a torn oblique, so this guy is like he's probably gonna be mayor of Buffalo when all is said <laughs> and done, or governor of uh, New York, whatever the case may be. Like this guy, the legend, and and like what a first year in Buffalo.
0: How can you not love this guy? You know, putting it all out there in the first year in uh, in Buffalo. Well, and that's and the thing is, like we talked about it when we did our our wide receiver breakdown. He was actually low on the touchdown numbers for what he did everywhere else, right? Like, he finished number three on the season, but if his, if his touchdowns had evened up, he would have been kind of right behind Adams, right in the zone. So uh, I'm, I am real pumped to see what Allen and Diggs can do coming into this season. Well, you know, we talked earlier about uh, Blake Bortles, another another big college star turned NFL quarterback turned not so much an NFL quarterback. And we had some big news this week. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this actually might happen. Tim Tebow, Timmy T, is reportedly going to sign with the Jaguars. Oh, that makes sense. The you same say. Tim Tebow. Yeah, the same Tim Tebow. And of course he is because they've got a rookie quarterback and they want to take care of him and they want a guy to groom him. Oh, but he's not coming as a quarterback. He's coming as a tight end, a position that he has literally never played. He hasn't been in the NFL, Jeff, since uh, I believe it's 2014 or 2013. Eight seasons have passed since the last time he played. He's been a pastor. He's been a TV sports commentator. He's had a lengthy stretch as a minor league baseball player in the Mets system. Oh my lordy but uh, you know his college coach there Urban Meyer is in Jacksonville. Meyer turned him into uh, you know you talked about Diggs being the governor of New York he basically turned Tebow into the governor of Florida, made him a star a national champion, a Heisman winner and uh, I don't know what do you think what do you think the odds are that Tim Tebow, actually plays a snap and before you answer i will tell you this when he was a quarterback he did have one pass target thrown at him and it hit him right in the face I, mask it did so
1: here's i could see some sort of random package where he lines up as a tight end but he gets like a handoff i mean he it was a running stud in college and i don't know man it's just a weird story you know i think um Urban Meyer's just trying to bring in a competitive you know, culture into the locker room. He keeps talking about how Tim Tebow is this competitive freak and competitive maniac, and, and obviously Tebow's a winner. Uh, I mean, he didn't improve it in the NFL, but in college and, and outside of the football, he's – I mean, this guy's pretty amazing. Let's, there's no getting around it. So, um, yeah, it's a fun story. If he actually suits up, will be remain to be seen. But I could see a scenario where he plays like – Three snaps a game. He goes in motion, all three of them, and two are a fake. And the third time, they give him a handoff for like a two-yard punch in for a touchdown. And everybody's praising Tim Tebow one more time. I could see
0: it. Oh, eight years is a long time, man. Like I know it's not like he's been doing nothing. Like he's he's been playing ball, and obviously he's in good shape. But like, you know, here's the thing for me: you've got you've got a new front office, you've got a new coaching staff, new coordinator. New face of your franchise, you're hoping for the next 10 to 15 years, new running back, new everything. Why would you want the national media's attention to be on this instead of all the positive things that you're doing? Like, is it a smoke screen to take all the attention so that teams aren't expecting them coming out? Or is this just like, I feel like it's just bad judgment, like you're turning it into a circus around instead of judgment yeah (laughs) i don't know man holy moly well, a smokescreen, I could see, actually, you know, that
1: you're saying that. I'm thinking, and maybe it is the thing to take the pressure off all the rookies and all the kids, just, you know, have the sideshow, tight end, take all the media attention while Lawrence learns the ropes. I don't know, but it's, I mean, I could see a reason in, a, you know, uh, him bringing him into the, the locker room. You know, maybe he's like a spy for Meyer. He's like, you're going to be like my player spy. You're going to be in the huddles and <laughs> tell me everything everybody's saying about a me. Snitch, <laughs> I don't know. A Who knows? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy Anyways, gonna it's find... going to be fun to watch for sure. Yeah. I mean, well,
0: we're talking about the Jaguars. Right? I guess. We just spent five minutes more on this episode than we have probably in the last 41 episodes talking about Jacksonville. Yikes. So we'll see what happens, but
1: uh, <laughs> um, little, a couple more things in the news to cover here. Brian Hill, of the the uh, formerly of the Falcons, he was released and signed with the Titans, so look out, Derek Henry.
0: Yeah, I actually think that's a good pickup for them. Um, just to have you know a depth. He's not going to cut into Henry's workload at all, but he can spell him here and there. That's kind of that's kind of the role that he did better in in Atlanta than when he got handed the rock. And uh, this one just came out a couple hours before we started recording. Actually, the Lions' first round pick. Uh, what did he go six overall? Penae Sewell. The uh, the the only Hall of Famer in this uh, in this draft apparently, or the only for sure Hall of Famer. Well, they're gonna have to wait a little longer. He's gonna miss minicamp. He is tested positive for COVID. So you know, all kidding aside, we hope uh, nothing but the best for him. But uh, you mentioned it off the top, man. We this was a big day. We had the draft going on a couple weeks ago, and uh, this was a big day in the NFL. They released their 2021 schedule. And they did a bit of a, they had a big grand reveal planned for tonight, a whole show and everything, but they did kind of a soft open this morning. There were a couple games leaking out, and then all the Monday games leaking out, and then around 11 o'clock, the NFL's official Instagram page had the whole schedule listed out, so, uh, you know, good on them, I guess they leaked their own info to get everybody talking all day. Oh, that's it man the nfl just keeps you talking i was just thinking about the other major sports baseball
1: releases its schedule you look like who do we play opening day and then you, whatever basketball it's like who do we play opening day and who do we play on christmas or do we get a christmas game and hockey i don't know what like opening game and i don't even know that's probably it i don't know is there christmas games that are a big deal or any other main not like but, that but football man there's so much to dissect
0: Well, it's such a condensed Um, schedule, right? Only, you know, up to this year, 16 games and 17 now, not 82 or not 163. But uh, yeah, like it's May 12th and we're talking about what's going to happen in the fall. What's going to happen this?
1: Yeah, and we're, you know, looking at easiest and hardest schedules already, which is bananas to me. But yeah, you mentioned this is the first year with a 17-game schedule. And one of the, you know, the things I noticed right away was uh, the first week of bye weeks this year is going to be week six so uh this year atlanta the jets new orleans and san francisco all have a week six bye which means they play the next 11 weeks in a row and then start the playoffs so i mean we're talking about the you know the wear and tear of the nfl season and the grind these guys are they going to be fresh for you know your fantasy playoffs after playing eight nine ten eleven weeks straight so that's something to monitor for sure it's not you know, obviously it's not the end-all, be-all, but if, if there's a decision you're going to make and it comes down to the smallest of things, that might be the reason you don't don't go with the player from one of those teams. It's something to watch for sure. And um, the Ravens have a weird schedule this year. They have they're going to be at home from week five straight through week nine. They've got two home games and then a bye week and then two home games out of the bye. So uh, they're going to be well rested in the middle of the season, which I don't like to read at all. But uh, that's kind <laughs> of a, a quirky thing in the schedule this year.
0: Well, and I think the Niners uh, were the same thing. Like they've got their first few, their first few games are on the road, and then they're home basically from. I think they're home, like I don't know if it's six of the next seven or something crazy like that. But yeah, there's a few teams that are that are going to be kind of all over the place. Um, they're bringing back the London games this year as well. We've got a couple games going on overseas, uh, travel permitted. But uh, one thing that we noticed is the NFL, like, you know, they've had a, such a stretch with kind of the same faces of the league, and now we've got these young star quarterbacks coming in, and they are really trying to start bumping those narratives up, right? Um, especially the guys who were drafted this year and last year. So we've got, uh, we've got the number one and number two from this year facing off in uh, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. We've got the number ones facing off this year, Lawrence versus Burrow. We've got last year's one and two, Burrow and Herbert facing off. Um, you know, trying to get some chatter, trying to get some rivalry, and it's up to those guys to uh, to live up to the hype, I guess. Uh, week number five, that's gonna be a massive game. We've got the rematch of the bills uh, versus the Chiefs, obviously a heartbreaker for Buffalo the last time those two teams met. and both of them are gearing up yeah. for a big big run at the championship um but uh you mentioned it earlier like we're already talking about who's got the hardest and who's got the easiest schedules and um it's it's tough to say like obviously we have no idea we have no idea really what defenses are going to look like uh take a look back at your league's fantasy draft history and the defenses that were going you know the first or second picked and very rarely did they turn out to be the first or second best but uh you know, based on projections anyways, it looks like the Steelers and the Ravens are going to have the two toughest schedules coming up. And, uh, you know, on the same metrics, the Eagles and the Falcons look like they've got kind of the easiest road ahead, but it's going to be, it's going to be intense, man. I'm excited. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, you mentioned Bill's chiefs. That's a rematch of the AFC championship game.
1: I love it when that happens the following year and the team gets a chance to get some revenge midseason, And, uh, the Steelers, you know, we were talking about it, they play the Bills week one, and we have some some friends who are Bills fans, and they're already talking trash. And I have one buddy who reached out and said, "Yeah, Tomlin has never had a season under 500." He's like, "They're not even going to see 500 this year," so <laughs> it's uh, the chirping has already started, and uh, which is very much appreciated for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's May, and we're talking schedule. We got three games on Christmas this year, which is awesome, uh, unless you have families and they don't want you watch football, <laughs> um, and we got. Uh, You know, you wrote three potential duds Thanksgiving, Thursday. Again, we don't know what a lot of these teams are going to look like, but uh, we got Bears, Lions, Raiders, Cowboys, and Bills, Saints. Um, All could be great games. All could be duds for sure, but uh, it's football on a Thursday, which is amazing. And my favorite part of the schedule release, and I think the NFL is starting to buy into this a little more as well in in the narrative of the the revenge game. So um, obviously the highlight of the revenge games this year is Tom Brady making his way back to Foxborough to – to go in New- and face New England uh, week four this year, which is going to be you know, must-see TV, Brady versus Belichick. Um, Jared Goff doing the same thing, kind of on a smaller scale, but he's heading back into Los Angeles to face the Rams week seven. Uh, Sam Darnold opens this season against the Jets in New York week one, so that'll be fun. And uh, Hopkins and J.J. Watt get a chance to face their old team, Houston week eight. Uh, unfortunately, that's in Arizona, so it's not as fun as it, uh, it could be, Could be, but uh, still they get some some revenge on that. Just abysmal Houston roster, <laughs> roster, and this one is uh, you know kind of up in the air. It's Cam Newton. He gets a chance to face Carolina, but it's not until Week Nine, and I don't know if <laughs> if Ace Boogie will still be starting by
0: then. <laughs> no, that's right. He might be Ace Ace sitting on the benchy. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like they they know how to play the game. Um, you know, you see Week 16, Week 17, a lot of the divisional matchups, and uh, and it could be coming down to the wire for some of those teams. And uh, don't forget too that they've they've also opened up the opportunity to flex some games into prime time when you get down late into the season. Um, so the schedule the schedule for some of those uh, I think Sunday night and Monday night games are are kind of pending what's happening over the first couple months of the season. But uh, it makes it feel more real, man. You see, you know these these rookies yep. that we've been talking about are are in their new homes, and some of the mini camps are opening up and starting to go. And now the the team names are down, and we know who's playing who, and where, and when. And uh, whew, before you know it, it's gonna be it's gonna be opening kickoff of that uh, that first game, and away we go! Holy moly!
1: Oh, man, I can't wait
0: yeah well you know what we're uh we say it every week we're all about the fans on this show we appreciate you all uh listening and spreading the good word and uh we like to hear from you on on our show as well so here we go again with the falcomaniacs fan zone
1: oh my god oh my god
0: welcome to the falcomaniacs fan zone
1: (laughs) i'm a fan sir i am a fan we're not worthy! We're not worthy!
0: So last week we asked you, which rookie are people going to be reaching too high for in this year's fantasy drafts? And uh, anybody out there listening, you know we'll have another question for you uh, in the two-minute drill today. And remember, you can always send your answers in to us at fantasyfalconfootball@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, Or you can leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. So we're always looking for more feedback uh, just to get, you know, the most fantasy wisdom we can out there from the listeners.
1: That's it. Or you can comment on our social media, Twitter or Instagram pages as well, if uh, you want to post on there. But uh, yeah, we did get some answers on this one. It was funny. Again, this question, you know, we asked a lot of people that we play in leagues with and we we didn't get as many answers maybe that we wanted to because uh, from those guys anyways because they didn't want to tell us who they were high on so um, but we did get some answers uh, Reed kind of came in he said that uh, Devonta Smith this is his, his answer he thinks that people are going to reach for him he did he doesn't think he's a bad player he thinks he's probably going to be the WR one in Philly but uh, he's just not sold on Jalen Hurts which is a fair uh, assessment um, you know he, he's a solid quarterback he's just not sold as, on him as a passing quarterback. Um, he also answered on behalf of another league mate. And what does he say? I'm going to be reaching way too high for Najee. I'm definitely taking him before Camara. Thanks, Brad Adams. So I don't know, Brad. Is that botch job, Brad? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That's... Oh,
1: botch. Well, that's not a botch job reaching for Najee. I like his style. That's. <laughs> uh, I know Reed's speaking for
0: him, but uh, he's not alone. Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, we kind of give Brad a hard time in that league because this year um, it's a two-keeper league and he had the first overall pick and was going back and forth right down to the last second between Kamara and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and uh, that was when those reports about Kamara's back injuries were out and it kind of scared Brad into taking, taking CEH over Camara. So, yeah, should be a few more <laughs> years before he lives that one down. Anyways, um, we yeah. did hear back from some members of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as well. Uh, Marty wrote in, and he kind of said all of the rookie quarterbacks, um, and also Kyle Pitts. Uh, he sees that he just, you know, rookies struggle. Like we're we've been spoiled the last few years, and uh, and for sure there's going to be some standouts from this talented class. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that uh, all of these guys are going to live up to where people are picking them.
1: You no, know, and that seems to be the common thread, or common thread through all the answers. Bednar came in and said, Pitts for sure. People are going to reach for him. They're going to reach for Wilson and Fields. He doesn't think any of them will be very
0: good this year. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the rookies will take some time to learn. Yeah. Uh, Brent and Steve, they both chimed in with the same answer. They said Najee Harris. Um, you know, they see the workload is there, but uh, obviously there's some struggles behind that Pittsburgh goal line and uh, Tyler, he actually went with the second running back that was off the board. He was one of the only people who said uh, Etienne. He just thinks it's going to be too steep of a learning curve to jump in right away, and he does, you know, we talked about does this make James Robinson, I called him a loser, but uh, Tyler thinks that Robinson's still going to get the majority of the workload this first season for Etienne, so, yeah, we'll wait and see, I guess. No, Tebow will be now. Um... Craig, had,
1: uh, he's you know, it says all all of them, for, but for good reasons. I think we cut off the start of his answer. Maybe he's talking about the quarterbacks. Um, and he also no, the he top means every. He means receivers. every rookie. Oh, every rookie, but for good reason. Oh, I see. I got you now. All of them, but for good reasons. <laughs> the top three wide receivers went to great landing spots. Pitts is the most rookie-ready tight end ever. Harris landed in a potential ideal workhouse
0: workhorse role, and the QBs are always overdrafted. So, you know, we talked about Jacksonville throwing a smokescreen. Craig, he's got, what, 21 of the first 22 picks in our draft this year. Is this a smokescreen for him so he can just get all these guys to himself or what? I I don't know. He's (laughs) told me many a times who he's taken. I don't think he's wavering from that plan, but (laughs) as much as I try. Oh, well. Um, so we did something different this week. You know, like you mentioned, we're, we're throwing some of these questions out on social media now. And uh, we actually threw it out to, um, to some people on Reddit. So some Redditors uh, in the fantasy football groups got back to us, which was, you know, it's great to get, get outside uh, opinions. And to be honest, it was pretty overwhelming. The majority said Kyle Pitts. Um, There was a lot of discussion back and forth about his true value. A lot of people, um, you know, kind of saying he's not a tight end. He's just a big wide receiver and that's how he should be drafted. But then the other side saying, well, you know what, if he was really just a big wide receiver, he would have gone into the draft as a wide receiver because over his career he would stand to make a lot more money. And then the other side came back and just said, no, no, he's going to change the tight end position forever. And if there's ever a guy who's going to do it, it could be him. But uh, after Pitts, the next most popular answer was uh, was Najee Harris. Uh, one user today actually commented to me that he saw Najee go second overall in a redraft. So this isn't a rookie draft. This is just a startup, startup league. Christian McCaffrey went first, and then somebody took—must have been Brad's other league, I guess—he took uh, Najee Harris second overall. And I love Najee. I'm, you know, what? I couldn't have been happier. But ooh, that's a little high for even me. And then yeah. after that, it was more of a split. Lots of the rookie quarterbacks, um, you know, especially those guys that don't have a for sure workload, and then uh, and then the big three wide receivers as well. Um, it's tough, right? It's a tough, it's a tough jump from college to the pros, and uh, we can't always expect, you know, a Justin Jefferson or or even a Chase Claypool every year. Well,
1: I think that's part of the problem, right? We've been spoiled, like you said, for the last couple of years, where these rookies have just made immediate impacts, and now it's almost people that are expecting it, and like some of these guys are gonna miss, because you know, f- what five quarterbacks taken in the first round? 3 of them are probably not going to be starting in 2 years. So Blake Bortles. uh maybe not 2 but 3. You know what I mean, right? Like it's it's crazy. So The <laughs> yeah. one guy for sure, I spent the last week watching this guy's highlights and I am crushing so hard on Najee Harris right now. So if I get the opportunity, I'm probably going to reach for him myself. Um, Pitts is another guy it's pretty much the consensus it's just there's so much hype around him and and people are just going to want to buy into it so he's going to get overdrafted but another guy that uh, hasn't really been mentioned specifically is uh, Waddle Jalen Waddle who went to Miami I just I don't kind of for the same reason that uh, Reed didn't trust uh, Devonta Smith in Philly I just don't trust Tua as a passer yet and uh, I don't know if Waddle is the solution there I know they had a great connection in college but uh, until I see it I won't be uh, drafting
0: Waddle on any of my teams I don't think no, you're right. They're just going to be handing the ball off like 35 times a game. Yeah. <laughs> um, No, you know what? It's funny. Like, I have my answer written down, and uh, I went to put it into the doc, and and it's pretty much exactly uh, what you said. Najee, for sure, I know I've pretty much resigned myself to the fact that I'm probably not going to be able to draft him in any leagues. I'm hoping maybe if he has a slightly slow start, I can make a trade, but... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna live up. I think the hype train is just gonna grow for the next three months about him. You know, touching the ball four hundred times this year, and uh, I'm not sure that's in store. And then probably, probably, honestly, Kyle Pitts. He's such a special talent. We've talked about the measurables. We've talked about the comparisons to Calvin Johnson. But, if you look back, so in recent years, there's always big, there's always big talk. Remember when Hawkinson came in as a rookie in week one, he just dominated. I think he had a couple touchdowns, and then he basically did nothing the rest of the year. A few years ago, Evan Ingram came in and he was the he had a great, great rookie fantasy season. He was the number five tight end in the league. He had sixty four catches for seven, twenty two and six touchdowns and i kind of got curious and i looked back and there were a few like jeremy shockey had a good uh, rookie season the one that really stood out to me was back all the way back in 2010 the patriots had two rookie tight ends gronkowski and aaron hernandez and between the two of them they combined for 87 catches for 1100 yards and 15 touchdowns and and gronk finished number 5 and hernandez finished number 13 So basically between the two of them, they put up like a Travis Kelsey type season, right? The way that people are talking about Pitts, the way that, you know, instantly he, you know, he he was already being hyped up and then he landed in Atlanta. He's got a good quarterback. He's got two dangerous weapons, taking targets, um, taking targets, but taking attention from defenses away from him. Like people are talking as if that's going to be his ceiling. So really, to get what you're if he goes in the third round even you're kind of expecting him to be some sort of like Gronkowski Evan Engram hybrid and ending up as the number two or three tight end and I just don't see it I just don't think it's going to happen no either I mean one case where path I could see it is if I mean it's still Mike
1: Davis as running back there right like if the run game just is non-existent kind of like the Steelers was last year Then there might be enough volume in the pass game to warrant him to, you know, for him to have an instant impact. But Mm. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't see it either. And like you said, people are going to be taking him way higher than than I'm willing to take him.
0: Yeah. Now, keeper or dynasty? Absolutely. This is a guy who, in a couple years, he could, you know, Travis Kelsey's not getting any younger. George Kittle's not getting any healthier every season. Like this could be a guy who steps into the number one role, and you've got the number one tight end maybe for 10 years but uh you know we're not quite there yet anyways before we move no, along for this here, year he'd oh, be he's again sorry sorry
1: i was just gonna say he's a guy that i would if i'm in an auction draft i nominate very early and then just sit back and watch i don't even you know what i mean one dollar yeah. bid pits and then just watch everybody spend
0: yeah or maybe nominate him first and try to get him for three bucks while everybody's still logging in and pouring their soft drinks right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try to sneak one in there um, before we move along, though, we did get an email from one of our listeners, uh, our friend Tyler. He he quite often sends us voicemails and emails. Um, you know, he listens to the show and he supports the show, and he he likes to have his opinion heard. So he wrote into us and he said, "Oh, hello, boys. I want to say that I hate the Packers. I hate Aaron Rodgers, and I hate Brett Favre. Hmm. Can you tell he's a Lions fan?" It's hard to ignore the consistent success of Green Bay, which is why the Rodgers drama is so frustrating as an outside observer, especially if you think about the situation. Aaron Rodgers was once upon a time supposed to be drafted first overall. He had a very famous fall in the draft to Green Bay at 24, who still had one of their most famous players of all time, Brett Favre. Rodgers sat on the bench. It was Favre's job. Aaron had to come in and learn after being a surprise pick for Green Bay. Well, that sounds pretty familiar. You can argue that Brett was on the back end of his career, but so is Aaron. He's 38 years old this year, and yes, he won MVP last year, but he ain't getting younger. Brett was only 36 when Rogers was drafted. I don't understand how Rogers can't see the situation that his job isn't in danger if he continues to play at a high level. It's extremely frustrating that he wants to leave Green Bay when they seem to be the model of consistency I hope they trade him to Houston. Have fun there, you giant baby. Sounds like Tyler <laughs> and uh, our buddy John Jackson have been have been having pops together and talking about this. And don't come at me about wow, well, he wants more skill players. He has the best receiver. He has one of the best receivers in Green Bay history, if not the best. Better than any receivers have had. He has two really good running backs and a line that protects him well. Which brings me to my question for you guys. This drama is, it, is most detrimental to which player's fantasy value. Is it Rodgers, although he could be traded, or is it Devontae Adams, or how about Aaron Jones, who just re-signed thinking that Rodgers would be there? P.S. I hate the Packers. Oof, tell us how you really feel, Tyler. Wow. No kidding. Well, uh,
1: this is interesting. So, First of all, I don't understand the or completely understand the details of the trade potential. Like, Rodgers, does he have any say in this, or could they trade him to a team like Houston? Because if that's the case, then obviously Rodgers, if he ends up in Houston, he's most effective fantasy-wise. Um, but I think it's probably Aaron Jones. I think Adams would, you know, still get the volume no matter what happens, if Rodgers is there or not. Um, but I think if if Aaron Jones is is in the run game is the focal point of defenses, because Aaron Rodgers is not there, I don't think the run game is nearly as effective, and uh, Aaron Jones would plummet down my rankings.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Um, even with a young quarterback, if it was Jordan Love, a guy like Devontae Adams, he's going to lock on. He's going to become like a, almost like a security blanket. It will affect Adams in terms of the kind of routes that he's going to run, like the kind of throws that they're going to ask that quarterback to make. But uh, I agree with you 100. The the weapon of the downfield passing game is going to be lost. Uh, the magic of Rodgers extending every single play with his legs is going to be lost, and teams are going to be able to uh, to fill in the gaps on the O line. They're going to be able to neutralize uh, Jones, which really we have seen happen in the past. Right? It's not very often, but it has happened for sure. Um, and you could even see you could even see kind of more of a split between. Uh, Jones and A.J. Dillon trying to keep them both uh, fresh and healthy at, for pass protection um, and not able to get out and get those those backfield receptions. So, yeah, of the three, I think if Rogers stays and plays, I think it'll be okay. We saw what happened last year when he played, kind of P.O.ed, and it obviously went well for him. If he's gone, um, I think Aaron Jones is the biggest loser, and especially because he's now locked in there for a few more years, right? Anyways, thanks That's a lot, it, yeah. Tyler. Uh, we appreciate you reaching out and, and uh, you know, sharing your, your deep feelings about the Green Bay Packers organization and this whole situation. But uh, you know what? We've got some more football to talk, and I'm pretty excited here, Jeff. We've got a brand new, brand new segment to get to today.: Yeah, we do. Let's get into it.: What are you gonna do, big guy?: And hey, what's it gonna do? What's it want?
1: So, yeah, the idea is what you're going to do, brother. Um, uh, So what's happened over the last week and a bit is I've done quite a few um, mock drafts on Fantasy Pros. I don't know if you've had a chance to do this, Kyle, man. Fantasy Pros, you don't even have to be a member. It's completely free and you can do these mock drafts. They're like five minutes long, legitimately only five minutes. There's so much information. It's all based on experts and consensus rankings. You can customize settings. It's super sweet. So I've spent quite a bit of time this week uh, doing these mock drafts and I've kind of noticed some trends as I've done them, and uh, kind of you know raised my eyebrows in a couple of matchups and and players that were getting drafted in similar situations, so I thought we'd do a segment here and uh, and get your opinion on some of these uh, kind of matchups and trends that I noticed
0: through the mock draft. So what do you think? Oh, that sounds great, and uh, the thing that I really like about their system, like I like mock drafting all off offseason, um, especially as we get closer. It is good to practice a bit, but the thing I like about this is you're not you're not uh, having to go against, you know, 10 or 12 other users. You don't get any goofball who takes like a kicker in the first round and kind of wrecks all the standings. Um, and you don't have to wait for the picks. They use a kind of a collection of, of different, uh, expert fantasy expert, uh, rankings. Um, they compile them into kind of a consensus. They let you set the scoring of the league that you want. And, uh, and then, yeah, it's just instantaneous. You make your pick, and then it fills in the rest of the round until it's your pick again, and you can kind of see how the dominoes fall. It's really cool.
1: Oh, it's so sweet. And, I mean, kudos to them for the t- fake team names they come up with. Some of them are hilarious. <laughs> and uh, what I really love, though, is, like, I can basically set it up exactly like the Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, like 14 teams, super flex. And the draft totally reflects how our draft would be if it was a redraft league. Like Mahomes was a top five pick in in these mocks. And that's, you know, that would be the case with how important quarterbacks are in our league based on our settings. So I really like how accurate it is and how much you can customize it as well. Uh, it's it's really awesome. So yeah, if you have a chance, friends, do some, fa- some mock drafts on Fantasy Pros for sure. Um, so the first question I have for you, buddy, this one is, you know, before we get into actual players, if you could choose a draft position, let's say a 12-team league snake draft would you prefer to have the first pick overall no you get the you know the best player in the draft or would you want to be in the middle of that first round like a seventh overall pick which one would you prefer
0: well over the years what you gonna do <laughs> what you gonna do brother uh over the years i've had a chance uh you know to pick from probably every every position and uh It's a tough weight going from, you know, if you're in a 12-person league, it's a tough weight going from number one to number 24. And there's a lot riding on that first overall pick. You need health. You need production. You need it to just be a home run. But even all that being said, all things equal, I'm going to go with that first overall pick. Um, instead of the instead of the middle of the pack, instead of the seventh, it's nice picking in the middle of every round. You kind of get you know a good average of that round's talent, and but what you end up with is just kind of a good average team. If you can get you know the Christian McCaffrey or the Saquon from a few years ago or whatever it might be in your league, if you can get that home run that gives you a big advantage every week. You're you're in good shape and you can fill in some of the holes on your roster with trades with waiver wire pickups whatever it might be um but yeah I I'm I'm going for the big gun I'm going for number 1 what about you
1: Uh you know if with football and especially with how many mocks I've di- I've done the last week 7 is like that's right at that spot where the running backs fall off and now you're considering the 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 top receivers so I think I would go f- first overall pick as well, but if this was, like, third or fourth, I would, you know, I would wait. I would prefer third or fourth over first, basically, just so you don't have that as long of a wait.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. And, like, on that, really, I'd rather be I'd rather be ninth or tenth than seventh because when you get to that point, the first couple of big wide receivers are gone and you're into the next tier of running backs, whereas if you're at seventh overall and you pick, like, a Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs, you're really reaching – and you're probably going to regret it in the end with the other players you're going to get. Oh well. Um, let's look at some players here, though, buddy. We don't want to just talk about draft positions. We can do that another day. Um, so let's look at some late round quarterbacks. We're not going to debate the big. We're not going to debate the big cats. Uh, we're going to talk about the guys. If you wait, if you wait and wait and wait and wait, and all of a sudden you think, "Holy moly, I got to get a quarterback here." So two guys who are uh, kind of coming into to show what you can do years, we've got Carson Wentz or we've got Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. What you going to do, Jeff?
1: This one's tough because both have looked great at times and both have looked just terrible. I mean, Danny Dimes with the turnovers the last couple years, is it's almost hilarious how much he turns it over. Um, But Wentz looks like he forgot how to play football last year. So uh, if I had to choose between these two for fantasy purposes, I'm – Probably going Danny Dimes just for the, the legs and, and the fact that, you know, he might steal you, you know, 30 or 40 rushing yards and three or four points a game just to hide his turnovers. So I I like Danny Dimes. I like the Galladay. I like the Tony, hopefully Barkley being back.
0: Yeah, I'm going Danny Dimes. How about you? Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, Wentz is in a new situation coming off a horrific year. Jones has had troubles, although he did cut his fumbles in half last year. And there was a lot of talk out of the organization about, like, how injured he actually was when he came back last year. And, you know, what you saw down the stretch was him just trying to hold the team together and keep them going. Uh, But it's the weapons. Daniel Jones has Saquon back. He has his new toy in Kenny Galladay. He's got he still has Sterling Shepard. He still has Darius Slayton. He still has Evan Engram. He has his rookie, Tony. Like, you can't beat that. And then you look at what's going on in Indianapolis. There's good receiving backs like Naeem Hines and Taylor. But uh when the highlight of your receiving weapons are T. Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman, you know, you're gonna be trying to make something out of nothing. So yeah. And plus Daniel Jones is my quarterback in the L O E G, so DJ oh, all the yeah,
1: way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, so You just got to protect the ball and he can, you know, really move up the rankings. Um, this was interesting. So, this was the, the again, we're going to talk about some late quarterbacks here. Kirk Cousins is one of them. And the other guy is Trevor Lawrence, a guy that's never played a snap in the NFL. But this was kind of the, these two were right hand in hand in, in the mock drafts. Uh, Lawrence typically went ahead of Cousins. Um, and I think I would just, you know, I, personally, I would take Lawrence just because of what could be. I think we know what Kirk Cousins is, but uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that this is the, the the established NFL guys. It was the Cousins, and everybody under him were going after the rookies.
0: Yeah, see, I, I'm the opposite. If we're talking about just for this year, I got to go Cousins. Um, I think people, like we said earlier, we got spoiled. People are looking at what Justin Herbert did last year. Um, and they're hoping and they're crossing their fingers and they're thinking, oh, yeah, I could lock into this guy and, you know, he could carry me all the way. But there's one difference. Uh, maybe you can help me with this. Does Keenan Allen play for the Jaguars? Uh, no. The Jaguars. So... No, but DJ Chark is basically coming yeah, yeah, so maybe Lawrence <laughs> throws DJ Chark the ball 20 times a game or maybe Marvin Jones uh, kicks his four touchdown games up a notch. But, uh, you know... Cousins is a guy who he's never going to be the quarterback one on the year, but he's going to be around the top 10. He's got good weapons. He's on a better team. He's got experience. He's still, you know, young enough. And even though they drafted Mond, I think he's still securing his job. Uh, I'd be Cousins all the way. Beef kirky. Interesting. Yeah, you're right.
1: Kirk Cousins is never going to be quarterback one. And you know what else? He's never going to be compared to Peyton Manning. And Trevor Lawrence has been. So I would just, I would buy into the potential at this point with Kirk Cousins
0: being the other option. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, let's take a, you know, again, we're not going to talk about the big cats, but let's take a look a little bit down. So if you ended up in that ninth or 10th or even maybe 11th draft pick, you might be looking at these two names. On the one side, we've got Joe Mixon, and on the other side, we've got Austin Eckler. Tell me, Jeff, what you gonna do?
1: Well, you know something, brother. Um, <laughs> the hype on Mixon all off season's been pretty amazing. They're talking about him never coming off the field, and unfortunately for him, he hasn't shown that he can stay on the field. And uh, you know, he keep pumping Herbert's tires, and and the great year he had. Obviously, um, Eckler wasn't a huge part of that, but when he did play, he looked uh, pretty great. So. Yeah, dude, both rookie quarterbacks playing in their second years. I think Mixon. There's more playmakers around him. I know uh, Keenan Allen is probably the best of the playmakers right now, but you know with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd stretching the field for Mixon versus Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Yeah, I think I'm going Mixon. I think uh, I-, I love the talent and and Mixon. I've always been a fan of his, and I think he
0: puts it together this year. Yeah, see, this was a really close one for me. Both of these guys are big potential. Both of them have a lot of buzz around them. They came into the league at the same time. They both have, you know, second-year quarterbacks, and both of them dealt with big injuries last year. Um, The weird thing about it was that Eckler's injury looked like he was going to be done for the year, and he ended up coming back. And when Mixon got hurt, they said, oh, well, we have a bye week, and then he's going to be back. And then he just, you know, took the season off, I guess, went traveling. But uh yeah, I I looked at these two uh I looked at these two a little more in depth than just kind of looked at last year. And that coach speak, it, on the one hand it makes me excited, and on the other hand it really scares me because the last running back that I remember a coach being so excited about never coming off the field was CJ Spiller, remember? He was going to run and run till he threw up every game and uh what they forgot to tell us was again. that he must have had morning sickness cuz he came off the field a lot that year. Um but uh you know Eckler was a better pass catching back when you look at them game by game but uh the yep. big difference was in total number of carries like Mixon played four less games than Eckler and he destroyed him in carries in in every metric of touching the ball um except for the except for the receptions and the receiving yards there are other backs in in LA that you know they're going to take a couple touches here and there away from Eckler i think that herbert uh settles in a little more this year and probably tries to spread the ball out a little bit and eckler will be a part of that but uh Giovanni bernard is gone i like what mixon's doing i like um you know what cincinnati's offense is starting to shape up to be and uh without geo there i i could see mixon being on the field 85 90 percent of the time and and being one of those rare bell cows in the league so uh It's a tough one, but give me Joe. Give me Joe Mixon. I like him. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of layers this one too, right? LA's
1: could have a new coaching staff, and I think LA's got a better defense, so that you know that could mean they have more leads and they're running the ball late in the game more. Where Mixon's playing from behind, I don't know. I just I think, that, like I said, this is the year Mixon puts it together. But that's a fun matchup to monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about WR twos. You know, we, we mentioned we're not going to talk about the big dogs. Everybody knows who the the, the best receivers in the league are, but WR two is a pretty important position and kind of separate you. Uh, if you land on the right guy who, you know, makes that step or that leap into the WR1 category. So this year, or today, we're going to talk about two potential WR2s. Who would you take, Amari Cooper
0: or Chris Godwin? Well, you know, it's it's funny. I'm actually, both of these guys have wide receiver one upside. And both of them at times have been, you know, Godwin a couple years ago for half the season. He was the wide receiver one. And Cooper, 50% of his games, he is the wide receiver one. It's just the other 50%. He's the wide receiver, like 79. But uh, looking at the two of them, like, Godwin missed some time last year. But on the other hand, Cooper missed having a real live NFL quarterback for most of last year. Um, Coming into this year, they're both on pretty good offenses, uh, but you look at the passing weapons that are around them, like the other the other guys going for receptions. And on the one hand, Godwin's lining up with Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. And on the other side, Cooper is lining up with, you know, CeeDee Lamb, who was a great rookie last year coming into his second year, and then Michael Gallup, who, you know, he can catch the ball. He can make plays. But uh, just between those two, I think that I think that Dak has something to prove And I think that Cooper stands out as the best receiver of his group of three. He's, I, I think he's better than lamb right now. I think he's easily better than Gallup. And I don't know that I can say the same thing about Godwin when I look at Evans and Brown. So I'm going to go with Cooper just on Mm -hmm. the, he's the wide receiver one on his team and his quarterbacks, quarterbacks out to make plays. This one was, it's so tight.
1: I mean, like you said, Amari Cooper is able to disappear like Houdini. Um, But I like Dak loves him. I had Cooper on my roster the last couple of years and two years ago when they were both healthy, Dak just loves Amari Cooper. So, uh, I agree there that he could be the WR one, but I, I think Chris Godwin's the best receiver in Tampa Bay. I'm even with Evans and Brown there. I love the talent. I don't think he was able to put it together last year. Uh, just because of injuries, and I saw Brady go to him in huge moments, and Godwin made plays that you know only a handful of receivers are able to make. So I think I would go with Godwin in this one, but
0: uh, I think both are going to have very similar seasons. Yeah, well, you know it could be. Like I said, he's got the ability. The other thing, though, in Tampa is, like, Brady's coming from a long, long history of having to spread the ball around. Um, You know, he's had kind of one or two guys that he could rely on, but really he gets the ball in other people's hands. And you look around Tampa, like, you've got three tight ends. You've got, uh, you know, running backs that can um, be part of that game. Isn't that where Giovanni Bernard ended up going, is Tampa, to help with the passing game? Uh, they that's got Scotty Miller, who, who he started to lean on a little bit down the season. Like All of a sudden, even in a high-volume passing offense with the best quarterback of all time, that's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, there's going to be games where Godwin goes off, and there's going to be games where you look at the box score and say, oh, was he hurt this week? But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it'll be... In- I'm, all of these, every single one of these, I'm excited to see how these play out. Um, All right. So you've uh, you've got one in here and this is right around the right around the turn, right around the end of the first round. You might be looking at these two names and uh, two careers that kind of went in opposite directions last year. We have one guy who a couple years ago, he was making a case for himself to maybe be the number one pick and we've got another guy who we had a bold prediction on this show from you Jeff that he's going to finish the year as the number 1 wide receiver. So this is uh this is a cross positional comparison. We're looking at Ezekiel Elliott and AJ Brown. What you going to do, brother?
1: I'm taking AJ Brown. I just yeah. I love him. I I love him. I think he's a stud and I think he's like I said I think he's going to be in the conversation for WR1 on the season uh, when it's all said and done. Um, Not to say I don't love Zeke, and, you know, this is the end of the first round. This is, you know, you're looking at running backs, and I'm sure the drop-off will be pretty drastic after Zeke. So that's kind of where the decision lies, right? Do you want to not take a first-round running back and then have to figure that out later? But I think if you get – if you believe in A.J. Brown like I do and you think he could be the best receiver in the league, to get him at the end of the first round is a a nice grab.
0: I – When I looked at this one, I thought I was going to say A.J. Brown. When I looked beyond those guys, though, and I saw, you know, if you're at the end of the first round, you're going to be picking again pretty quickly. So I just took a quick look. Okay, if I don't make Zeke my running back one, who's going to be my running back one? And I looked, and I saw names like Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift, who both could have, you know, massive breakout seasons. Aaron Jones, who he's kind of up in the air with what's going to happen, as we talked about. And then I looked at the wide receivers that would be coming up if I didn't take A.J. Brown and I saw names like Michael Thomas, D.K. Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson. Between the two players, I like A.J. Brown more. But when I'm building my team, I like the combination of getting, you know, a guy like Zeke who has that potential to Turn around what happened last year and all of a sudden he's the number three running back on the season And I have a chance to get a guy like Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson or DK Metcalf who all you know Could be top five wide receivers. I like that better than going with Brown who you know, I'm not quite as high on as you are, but I agree He's a he's a superstar and he's he's gonna be treated like one after this season but then I'm kind of putting a lot of prayers into my wide into my running back 1 and that's just not a position that I'm willing to take as big of a gamble on I think uh you know I hate to say it I've I feel like I've talked down Zeke 90% of the time on this show and then when we did our mock draft I couldn't pass him up I had to take him as my running back 1 and Man, if I was true. in this situation I think I'd have to do the same thing so uh call me crazy but I'm going to go with Zeke on this one
1: yeah no, I don't think there's a wrong answer really i mean you're you're right and then you know we're looking at aj brown and then Najee harris potentially as my rb1 and you know then it's a rookie but i worry about tony pollard i think he's gonna carve out a role in dallas and uh yeah this i'm gonna monitor this one for sure i can't wait to do our next couple mock drafts as well and see where uh, where we take guys and see how it all ends up
0: yeah absolutely okay so
1: that's the end of the first round Um, let's talk about the end of the second round where, you know, we're going to do some, you know, positional matchups here again, where let's say, um, Antonio Gibson
0: or George Kittle at the end of the second round, which one of these two guys would you take? Well, this one for me was not as much of a puzzler, even though I love both players. If we're at the end of the second round and I have to take one of these two guys, it's got to be Gibson, Um, You know, we talked about it right at the start. If you've got an early pick in the first round, it's a long wait to get to the end of the second round. And I don't think that I would feel good uh, taking my tight end that early unless it was Kelsey. Uh, Kittle is great. He's a phenomenal talent. Um, But, you know, things are changing in San Francisco. The quarterback could be changed uh, by week one. Um, he's had some injury troubles, and uh, it's just too early for me to reach for him. Um, I like Gibson and I like what Washington's doing, and I think he's gonna get a bigger share of the workload uh, this year coming into his second year. So if I was dead set on trying to get a top notch tight end, I would try to wait uh, try to wait until, you know, maybe late fourth round and, and just kind of hope that that Darren Waller or maybe TJ Hawkinson was still there. But I think I'd rather take Gibson and then, uh, or even see what you know the wide receiver situation was. What about you? Who are you going with? Yeah, I,
1: no, I would take Gibson as well. This one surprised me, and I put it on here because Kittle was drafted before Gibson in uh, four of the five mocks that I did. So it's kind of why it jumped out at me. And uh, I mean, I love George Kittle. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, but yeah, for all the reasons you said, and and I think Gibson. I mean, obviously, they didn't add anybody to the running back room to, you know, in the early rounds of the draft, and I think they're trending upwards. So I'm I'm excited about what Gibson can do. And uh, now, if this was a full PPR league, would that change anything about uh, your answer?
0: Um, you know what? I don't think that it would. Even though we saw um, J.D. McKissick take away a lot of the passing work in Washington last year. Um, that was before Fitzpatrick got there. He's he's not huge on dumping off to his running backs, but I think that Gibson has had a year to improve his pass protection and get himself on the field in those third down situations. Um, so that's an area that he could go up. But just with that defense, I think he's going to touch the ball so much. And like I said, it, it might not be as consistent in San Francisco for Kittle this year. We'll have to see. Can't wait. It's wait. It's funny doing those mock drafts, though, where, like, Kittle, I've seen him go as the number two tight end just about every time, even though Waller had such an amazing season. You know, people understand he was hurt. Kittle was hurt. He's been the second best for the last couple of years. It seems like it depends so much on where Kelsey goes, though. If somebody reaches for Kelsey at the end of the first round, Kittle's gone by the middle of the second round. If nobody takes Kelsey yep, yep. until early to mid second round, then Kittle might be there in the third round. Like it's it's really just like once Kelsey goes, it's like five or six picks and somebody's like, I gotta take Kittle right now. So yeah, it's yeah, interesting. That's what right? makes
1: drafting so fun, right? It's like you're always ready to pivot and switch and people aren't gonna do what you think they would do or they should do, and then it
0: throws off any draft plans you have. So you gotta be ready for everything. That's why I love it. Absolutely. Well, one of my favorite parts of a, of a draft is when you get past the chalk-type picks, right? The first few rounds, you kind of know who you're going to get. You kind of know. You look at who's available, and you kind of know what the smart play is or, or what you feel. But it's later on that can really make the difference on your team. You're looking for those diamonds in the rough. You're looking for those hidden gems that uh, you know week two or week three, all of a sudden they break out, and you've got your wide receiver two or your running back two is is filled in with a name that you got in the 10th round. So uh, I looked at a couple of guys. These aren't super, super deep sleepers, and they are names that people should know. Um, certainly one of them from the end of last season and one of them probably from training camp last year. So these are deep sleeper wide receivers. I've got LaVisca Shenault in Jacksonville. And I've got Darnell Mooney in Chicago. So between those two guys, Jeff, what you going to do? I think I'm going Chenault. I, I loved him. I bought into the
1: hype last year. Uh, watched a lot of tape. Love his abilities and his talent. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I know with the rookie quarterback there, I mean, potentially both will have rookie quarterbacks by uh, midseason season. But uh, yeah, I, just, I think I take Chenault just because uh, I think he's a super explosive player and, and uh, could carve a big rollout in,
0: in uh, Jacksonville. How about you? You know, we haven't we haven't agreed on uh, on all of these, but we do agree on this one. I love one. it. So, uh, I, I know. <laughs> um, I looked at them. I was actually surprised. I kind of, in my mind, and this is why it is good to kind of look back and, and take a look at the numbers sometimes. Because in my mind, I kind of had this idea that, you know, Mooney came on and just had these big explosive plays near the end of the season. Um, but hadn't done much. But really, when I looked at them, they were pretty much almost the same player. I think Chennault had, he had something like 55 or 58 catches for 600 yards and five touchdowns, I believe. And and Mooney was about the same. He was about 60 catches for 630 and four. Um, So statistically, they're just about the same kind of player. And uh, one thing, I don't know if you remember last year, Chennault, he was also getting carries out of the backfield. Like I remember... Um, yeah. As a James Robinson owner in a couple leagues, I I was kind of mad. He was getting you know within within the red zone. He was getting carries even. yep uh, I don't think that's happening again. Obviously, we talked about the Etienne pick and what a surprise that was. So now they've got Etienne. They've got James Robinson. They've got Carlos Hyde. I don't think they're going to be using Chenault uh, too much out of the backfield. But you know, maybe a gadget play. Tim here Tebow. And there. Tim Tebow. That's right. I forgot about your uh, I forgot about your game plan. Three plays a game. Um, both of these guys are getting new quarterbacks though. Both of them are getting improvements at quarterback. Um, both of them played with multiple quarterbacks in their rookie year, which that's, it's hard enough to be a receiver. Um, but here's what it really broke down to for me in Jacksonville. We talked about it. You've got Marvin Jones, you've got DJ Chark, and then it's LaVisca Chenault. And in Chicago, you know, the number two wide receiver for now, like as long as he's there, is Anthony Miller. But the number one guy is Allen Robinson. And there's no way that, you know, I really like what he showed, but there's no way that Mooney is overtaking Robinson as the number one guy. It's not happening. Robinson's going to have, you know, another super high year in targets. And basically Miller and Mooney and Cole Comet are going to pick up the scraps wherever they can in jacksonville honestly this year i could see a scenario where over time chenault develops just because of his physical ability he develops that relationship with lawrence he could emerge as the number one guy i really like dj chark i think bringing in marvin jones was a good choice for them a veteran presence a guy with you know steady hands and and he knows how to score too but uh you know, this could be a year that really we see a transformation and uh, by the end of it, Chenault could be the number one target and Mooney just doesn't have that upside. So I would go, I'd go with Chenault. And remember, these aren't players that you're drafting and saying, yeah, I'm plugging it in my lineup. These are guys that you take near the end of your draft with the idea, I'm going to just sit on it for a little while. I'm going to put them on my bench. I'm going to see what happens. And in a few weeks, if it's not working out, you let them go and you pick something else up, right? You gotta, you gotta stay fluid. You gotta be willing to move on. So, yeah, well, oh, I like it. No, buddy. for sure,
1: and like that's the point of it. That's what I look for in deep sleepers is a guy that could take over a number one role. And I think you're bang on. I think. Chenault probably leads the team in receptions this year. I don't know if he has more yardage than Chark or, or Jones or touchdowns, but I could see a case for sure where he has more catches than them, the both of them. So, uh, yeah, I like that Chanel pick a well, as well, and
0: uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in, in Tebow land. For sure. Well, what do you say? Should we have, uh, before we end this segment, should we have a little fun here? Should we get away from the football questions for a minute? Let's do it. Yeah. All right, so you I got you're keeping it a secret, so I'm like, this is already better than mine, I can tell. So, <laughs> maybe it's maybe not, <laughs> it's not that good. It's definitely tailored towards you, but I, I didn't want to give you much of a chance to think about your answer. I want to put you on the spot here, okay? This is I'm Regis okay. Philbin. This yep. is who wants to be a millionaire, who wants to be a falcon maniac. So, I want to know what the falk are you gonna do? Option number one, movie theaters are open, they're at full capacity. Prices oh, stay the same, gosh. but there's no way that you could ever, ever, ever watch a movie at home again. You can only see them by going and paying at <laughs> the theater or option number two, you can watch movies at home whenever you want, just like normal, but there's no such thing as a movie theater. It doesn't exist and it will not ever exist. What are you going to do? Wow. Wow.
1: Well, it's been what I've been living the last two years, and I actually have had spells where it's like I just crave the movie theater atmosphere. You know, I would go, like, me and Whammer and Marty, we would go, you know, two or three times a month we'd go to movies and not always see something great. It's just about, you know, the shared experience that I love so much. So, man, but I love watching movies at home, too. So, (laughs) based on the fact that we just finished our basement, and I plan on watching movies down there. I would have to say that, but I cannot wait. like I get chills thinking about going back to the movie theater. I love it so much. so that one that is very that's a tough one. How would you answer that?
0: I don't have to answer. It's my question. Okay, you're right. <laughs> no, Your I don't know, is, man. This one I, is like <laughs> i I'd be probably like you. I think I'd probably take take the the quantity over the quality and be able to watch movies at home. but. You know, I've talked about it before my first job was movie theater I used to go and see every single movie that was playing um, when we lived when we lived in the same place as you guys you know I don't know how many movies we went to that year and not all of them were winners but just to get out and and you know have the big speakers and the the huge screen and the shared experience with the audience that's something special for sure it'd be tough to give up yeah. And I miss it so much. So the fact,
1: the timing is probably it's <laughs> why I'm humming it on. But, uh, well, I focus mine directly for you. This is specifically a Kyle question. I mean, you love football. Um, but I think it's fair to say another one of your passions and love is music. Um, mm. so I, I want to know what the fuck are you going to do? You have the opportunity to be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame or the pro football hall of fame.
0: Which one do you choose? Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Let's be honest. Oh, that I, easy. Yeah, it is. I love football. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play for a long time, and uh, you know, until the end, have relative health and uh, and reach a fairly high level of play. But I can tell you, unless you're a superstar skill player, you're in you're in Canton, you're in the Hall of Fame. But unless you're one of those top 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 guys, nobody's talking about your career much after you're done whereas you go into the rock and roll hall of fame and your body of work is still out there it's still being consumed on the daily you're still finding new fans um just through exposure yeah i i'd be honored to go in intact the, yeah your knees are well i don't know i've seen some uh you know i saw Neil Young and yeah Yeah, Steven Tyler's feet is much better <laughs> off but uh you know, to be honest with you, like I'd I'd be honored to go into the uh, the neighborhood Hall of Fame for like best dog walker or something. But uh, between those two, I I think I'd be rock and roll Hall of Fame. What about you? What?
1: Well, like, unfortunately, I... you chose wrong. Oh, well, you chose uh... wrong because uh, there's a new ward <laughs> in the Hall of Fame for podcasts, and that's where we were going until your answer. So you can go play your guitar, I guess. <laughs>
0: What about you though? I know, uh, I know you're not, you know, as out there with the instruments, but uh, I do recall a pretty spectacular air band performance of uh, ACDC, if I'm not mistaken, in your past. <laughs> so yes. uh, obviously, some some rock star aspirations. What would you What would you choose? I think I would also choose the
1: the Rock and Roll all Fame, unless, I mean, I played. Yeah, yeah, I would choose Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well for all the same reasons you you laid it out. You know what, I kind of just, I thought it was going to be closer, and then when you answered and the reasons you gave, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You could just continue selling out for years and years and years. It's not like you have this three-year window to to make it to the shows and and make your impact. So, yeah, I think Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for me as well. But if it was baseball, I would choose baseball.
0: Oh, (laughs) fair enough. Alright, well buddy, we're just about there. We're coming down to the wire, but uh you know what happens every week before we get to the end of the show, we gotta get through the two-minute drill. It's time for the fantasy Falcon football two-minute drill. <laughs> All right, Jeff, let me set the scene for you, okay? Just, you know, close your eyes and let me transport you. And all you out there, unless you're driving your car right now, do the same. So it is fantasy season. You've done all the research. You've set and reset your personal rankings. And you walked out after outsmarting everybody else in your draft. You did it. You got your guy. It might be a proven stud or it might be a super strong breakout candidate that you got right where you wanted. But only one thing is for sure. They are going to go off this year and they are going to carry your team to the championship. Except they don't. Because week after week, they disappoint you. They leave you unable to trade them away and also too scared to put them on your bench. (sighs) Jeff, there's no bigger disappointment in fantasy than a B-U-S-T. A bust on your team. And I will tell you from experience, one bad season makes it tough to ever trust that player again. You never want to draft them. You never want to trade for them. You never want to see them as long as you live. Folk maniacs, we feel for you and we want to know who is the worst fantasy bust you can remember from your teams. Who did you so dirty that you passed over their names for the rest of their career?
1: Oh, man, I can't wait to hear your answers, Falcon Maniacs. Please reach out to us. Let us know who you got. I you know I remember some crazy stories. A guy's name uh, Trent Richardson, the guy who drafted <laughs> him second overall in our league, and for three years refused just the most ridiculous offers for this guy, and we know what happened there. So, Falcon Maniacs, we want to hear from you. Who are your busts that you will never, ever forget and never forgive? Reach out to us via email at uh, fantasyfalconfootball@gmail.com at or leave us a voicemail using the link to our show uh, in the show description. Once again, remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Falcon Maniacs. And if you're enjoying the show, please help us out by sharing or recommending
0: to your friends, family, or league mates. Absolutely. And uh, before we get going today, another reminder for you. If you haven't checked out the show, the new show, The Barbarian and the Troll, you need to check it out. Everybody. I'm talking to everybody. You're five years old? Check it out. You're 105 years old? Check you. it out. Even you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Our loyal listener and our regular contributor, Tyler, he's worked hard alongside some amazing people. They've put it together. Season one is out right now and they're in the works on season two and uh, it is a winner. If you're looking for something on Friday nights that you and your kids can both enjoy equally, quest no further because the Barbarian and the Troll is it. So check it out this week, Friday night at 7.30 in Canada. It's on YTV. If you're down in the States, it's on Nickelodeon. You won't regret it. That's a true story, man. And thanks so much, Falcon
1: Maniacs. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week. And remember, set your Falcon lineups.